Welcome to the Get Sober Resilient Podcast. I'm Gar O'Hara, and today we're joined by Ben Jones, CEO and co-founder of Jumpstart Security. Ben ties together his experience in psychology and more recently sales and management across pharmaceuticals and cybersecurity to his new adventure and endeavor. Jumpstart focus on the SMB space. So in the conversation, we cover the nuances of that type of organization versus enterprise. In Ben's words, he had to unlearn the enterprise world as he and co-founder and CTO, Saim Khan, started out. Fresh from finishing the Cyber Leadership Program with the Cyber Leadership Institute, which was co-founded by Phil Zongo, and he was our guest back in episode 16, Ben talks about the importance of simplicity for cyber, the particular challenges of SMB, cultural buy-in for cybersecurity, and also that time he may or may not have bought a knockoff leather jacket from a scammer in Manchester. Over to the interview, please enjoy. Welcome to the Get Cyber Resilient Podcast. I'm Gar O'Hara, and today I'm joined by Ben Jones, CEO and co-founder of Jumpstart Security. How are you going, Ben? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on on your uh, plus 50th show. Congratulations for you sticking with it. And remember the first one, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, there you go. And, well, um, but they're very honored to be here, mate. Well done. Thank you, yeah, and, and good to, to be here too. We're actually um, doing the first face-to-face recording and interview uh, so far, which is pretty pretty cool. Bought all this gear, thinking we were going to be troops around Sydney recording people, and this is the first time, so hopefully the audio quality is good for everyone out there. 1.5 meters away from each other as well. Of course. Yeah, so it's all yeah, COVID safe. Mm. Um, ben, look, the, the first question we pretty much ask everybody is, you know, how do they get to, to where they are? You're CEO, co-founder of Jumpstart Security. It'd be great yep. to kind of hear your, your background and, and how you got here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know we've only got half an hour, so we'll do, we'll do the cliff notes. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm from, uh, I was born in Liverpool in Manchester, grew up in, uh, in Hong Kong, then back to Manchester. Uh, I played rugby um, at a decent level and then studied at university. Um, and ultimately I ended up sort of working in the field of psychology. So I, I, my sort of first profession was working with, um, with young people living with cancer. So I worked for the NHS, at a wonderful hospital called the, the Christie Hospital, which is a sort of an epicenter of great research in the UK. Um, but I worked with a particular cohort of sort of young people, teenagers, so not pediatric care, not adult based care, but uh, there was something that was right in, right in the middle. Um, and just love that work. Um, I ended up moving to Australia 16 years ago to carry on that work through an yep. organization called Canteen. Uh, they do the bandanas oh, every year. Yeah, um, well. okay. yeah, and um, I worked for those guys at the Children's Hospital in Ramwick, at Westmead Hospital. Um, and then we would also sort of do regional programs and working with young people and their families who'd sort of been living with, with cancer. Uh, after that, um, after sort of 12 years of that work, I sort of decided to go into business. Yep. So I joined a massive drug company. Uh, which was called AstraZeneca, which I'm sure everyone's oh, heard of recently. Interesting. Yeah, yeah okay. it was good. Well, it was one week I had people on the couch and the next week I was selling uh, stomach tablets <laughs> in the northern beaches, but did well there. Uh, won a sales award, became a sales manager, all that sort of traditional flow. Yep. Uh, went into then a sales medical device business because the doctors like tactile things, playing with things. So I was in surgery for a number of years and ran a sort of big team of reps in that game and enjoyed it very much and did a lot more business strategy. And then, uh, yeah, sort of uh, stumbled into cybersecurity uh, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, three and a half years ago now. I worked for a business in Australia and uh, so where we met and yeah, became au fait with the, with the world of cyber. And the minute I joined, uh, I've just loved it. And I'm not a 
I must preface this and have a moment of vulnerability and honesty. I'm not a highly technical person. Um, I'm a set out and out sales guy. Uh, but if it's been yeah stomach tablets or um, endpoint solutions, uh, I believe that's a, a strength of mine and building relationships. Uh, so having gone through that business and uh, and then coming back out of it and having a little think about what the market needed, we've had this amazing time of COVID, which has obviously been horrendous and tragic for so many reasons, mm. but has brought a lot of commercial opportunities, especially into this space, which gave me room for thought about starting um, the business that I've, I've started called Jumpstart, which works with sort of smaller businesses. So I've had to unlearn a lot of the enterprise thinking. Mm. Um, and uh, and here we are today in the boardroom. Uh, as of today, we've got sort of 30 customers on board um, with a number of sort of consultant gigs. Um, and in, in the 100-day plan, we've smashed and superseded all of our expectations and I've got some really good logos on. And uh, yeah, this is the, the best experience I've ever had. It's been a, a great ride and I have a wonderful business partner, uh, Syme Khan, um, who's sadly not here today. But it's been it's been a great ride and lots of challenges to come, lots of good fun. But the, the industry is bulletproof. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's full of, full of uh, very interesting and, and sort of highly driven people. The the small business challenge is probably the, the thing I think we can start with here because I think uh, to your point, it's a huge conversation. You know, it goes from supply chain, how we're all digitally interconnected, you know, some of the government commentary recently. Mm. We, and you said you had to unlearn enterprise thinking. It'd be great to kind of dig into that. Like what's, yep. what is the small business challenge maybe quantifying the problem? And then like, what did you have to unlearn to, to be able to tackle it well? The mindset change in the enterprise in a sort of sales role or account management role, if I have that sort of hat on, was that invariably, and I think the industry average when you look at sort of the Accenture reports from last year, was that in a big decision of over 5,000 seats with a solution, it's about 6.7 headcount mm. in a commercial decision. Yep. So I've been in a room with you two trying to do a deal, and and there's a lot of people involved. It's a long time frame there's lots of ego to satisfy there's lots of things to jump through um and so that was quite a drawn out process which had good wins as well mm-hmm. and could go well um i always found that problematic in terms of time to value seemed long but i understand why that's in place your question to me is about how small small business decisions are agile move quick mm-hmm. so i know i can meet someone present our solution and have a decision in over 20 minutes and have a credit card done and a deal done in 20 minutes and i did that yesterday which is a wonderful feeling. Um, uh, the, 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 the challenges that small businesses face now, I think, is that never anymore, they, no, there's never been a more time when they've had to thrive in this sort of digital world. So they've got to go into this dark room where there's no light on, but that's their only real choice to survive, I think, going forward. Yep. So having um, a, a good digital footprint, an online presence, uh, that they have to do that. And if you're selling bowling balls, T-shirts, whatever you're doing as a small business owner, wine, financial services, you have to be playing in that space. So that means you're bringing a new cohort of people with not much experience, with low headcount, who may be using an MSP without good security hygiene. So their risk vector goes through the roof. Now, because this is a new space, it's not their their top priority, but they're quickly finding um, that there are there are you know, there's pitfalls everywhere in this yep. business, and we do know from the evidence that one in five businesses um, in Australia last year that are sort of new businesses under fifty seats that got hit with a ransomware attack, for example, fold. They never trade again. Mm. One in five, which is an alarming statistic. 
and so when we then go back and look at the empirical evidence that you know we get from Scamwatch or from the Australia government, there is some really compelling stories of how small businesses whilst they've gone through this process of having to survive through covid there's been some really sort of pioneer mavericky guys that are going out and going into this space but that doesn't indemnify them against the risk in fact it just brings an entire new risk platform i, I feel that what we're doing well is partnering with those businesses they scale up mm. enter that dark room and hopefully we can shine the light on the problems like is it a version of um i mean even larger non-technical organizations when they are trying to navigate cybersecurity or technology in general, like yep. that's not their core expertise too. I mean, if you're manufacturing, um, I think you said bowling walls, mm. like the reality is, yeah, okay, you got, you got to bring in experts to do finance. You got to do bring in experts to do HR at some point. And it feels like IT and cybersecurity is less now folding into IT, but actually is understood to be a thing we need to do in and of itself. And in my mind, when you get down to the those smaller organizations, you know, maybe one or two people, the reality is to do cybersecurity well, like that's nearly impossible because it is so complex. And to your point, when you get it wrong, it's not like, um, I'm trying to think of a, you know another function that isn't important. The, the ramifications of maybe getting a HR decision wrong, not that it's not serious, but it's not a, we have to close the doors of the business serious. Mm. You know, to your point, if you get hit by ransomware, yep. and you know, not to do food, right? I don't think either of us are about that, but... You know, it's a national conversation. We can see both sides of the kind of political spectrum, you know, yep. bringing out strategy papers, talking about it. Um, and I suspect it's because of what you're saying, which is, you know, mom and pop stores or smaller organizations, first of all, they're, you know, they're the engine of the Australian economy. Um, 80% of, of all, all businesses in Australia is deemed small business, yeah. 80%. Yeah. So, and, and to your point, then, we, like, we need to protect them. Mm. And if they can't protect themselves, then, you know. So a, a question for you then is... As you've, you know, you've you mentioned uh, the 30 logos that you've onboarded. So I guess you're starting to see some trends there in terms of what's most useful to them or what they're crying out for. Yeah. What are those things? Yeah. I mean, just to go back, there's a number of questions to answer there. The yep. first one is that I'd flip it and say, even when you get cybersecurity right, the end user doesn't know about it because yeah. nothing happens. And so for a new business function, a new cost... I'm, you're still asking people to pay for something and the best that they, best result they get is they don't get whacked. Do you know what I mean? And yep. so the worst case is terrible, but the best case is, well, okay. So yep. I'm, an, I, I'm just uh, um, I'm evangelizing about the problem yep. and just sort of trying to bring attention to it. The AFR, conversely, is my best marketing tool. I listened to your podcast last week and, you know, if, the, if, the, if nine can't get it right, if the government can't get it right, if a water plant can't get it right, then who's getting it right? Yep. The thing that's so interesting is, is that I, I don't feel personally that vendors or the companies are the ones that are doing the innovation. Yep. The criminal is innovating. Even with something like the, the MS Exchange thing, when we, had the, we hosted a talk here last week and we had some guys do a forensic analysis of it, the, the guys that got away with murder were the ones that didn't patch quickly because yeah. the breach was without winning the patch, whereas the rhetoric from the organizations that support businesses to be efficacious say, patch quick, patch fast. So the ones that didn't get whacked were the ones that weren't following the methodology that's being prescribed by the, the guys that are giving the intelligence. And so with small businesses, their real problem is, is a new cost center, but 
we're also meeting a new breed of younger people now who are leading businesses, mm-hmm. who have got a digital experience, who have a, a, a social media following, who transact in a different way. So the C-suite of some of the organizations I'm meeting, and I, I very, I'm very granular in my approach of the people that I'm working with, that is in the law, in accountancy, in venture capitalism. These are businesses that have got low headcount, but high revenue, mm. but more often than not, high levels of IP, customer data, and proprietary information. So people that have got um, doing big deals, a lot of money, but are running lean shows, so they've got the ability to pay for services when they need them. But to your point before, they're excellent at what they do, but they also have not got the ego to realize that I can't do this bit as well. Yep. So that's where there's true partnerships being formed with us is because, and I'm lucky now to have built out a good reputation in the market. My business partner has one, and we're starting to see the benefit of that metastasizing out and also getting an affirmation from our customer, which we've had a couple this week, which is a wonderful thing. And that's that momentum starting to build. But we work with sort of, yeah, big accountancy companies because there's that trickle-down effect from working from those guys because once we do a good job with that particular accountancy, then they can see the benefit in what we're doing. They then, excuse me, then they they want to pass it out to their customers as well. So there's a trickle down effect from good practices. My business is all about simplification of a terribly complex issue. Yep. And again, I don't understand cybersecurity. I don't know anyone that really does. And as much as there I is that- Bruce Schnarr is the only name I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I don't know it that much. I don't even know what that is. But my, my yeah. point is, is that there's so many people who say they are, and they know their particular bit, but we stay in our lane with mm-hmm. one particular set of industries to make it simple, to make it uh, workable, and to add value um, at a right price point. Yeah, and that's—I mean, I'm, I'm assuming for SMB that price point part is is going to be, and you know, not to get into you know, it's a cyber resilience podcast, not to, to kind of talk about <laughs> no. the the brutal uh, nature of capitalism and the fact that we all have to sort of earn a living. But yeah, you know, SMBs would be, I assume, particularly you know, uh, uh, vulnerable is maybe the wrong word, but um, conscious of price given the you know their operating boundaries are generally you know yeah. if you're an smb you've got a little bit less uh you know, capital sitting in the bank potentially yeah. cash flow issues so you know spending tends to be scrutinized in a way that maybe oddly you know when you go up to enterprise you can see sort of big spends but you know we, we've both been through those kind of um situations or had those conversations where shelfware exists. You know, money has been spent, but it hasn't mm. been utilized. You know, it's a, a well understood problem. Yeah. I guess when you get to SMB, there's a lot more attention being put on where the money is being spent. So that derivation of value becomes much more important. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think if you look at this, that's sort of that classic case of the adoption curve, right? So you have those early adopters who will put their hand in their pocket. Mm. Um, but I think we've almost sort of crossed the line now in people knowing that. I've always thought that uh, cybersecurity was a business, um, not a prohibitor, but it was something that didn't enable business in many ways. It was something that stopped it. I'm much the other way now, and especially when I'm speaking with my customers, I think cybersecurity is a business enabler because I think the minute that you can show that you've got great standards and hygiene to your customers, to your third party, and to your suppliers, I think that that's actually a really good thing in this market. Yep. Uh, I've said it to you before. I mean, Apple did an entire 
you know, billion dollar international campaign on privacy yep. um, uh, at Christmas. And it was the first time I'd ever seen that. Now, if they're doing it, they're onto the fact that they know that it's important. And that's not a B2B, that's more a B2C play, really, or a customer play. But I thought it was very interesting that now our IP um, or our data or our, our identity is something that's seen to be a much more valuable. Mm. I was with, we've just done a deal with a cybersecurity insurance. Uh, 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 we're going to be partnering up with them to offer businesses cybersecurity insurance, business continuity. Um, um, and that type of stuff and ransomware stuff, which is really exciting for us because lots of businesses are asking for that now. Uh, so we're going to help them out with that. But the data on on personal, people taking out personal cybersecurity, well, that was really interesting to me as well. Mm -hmm. So it is small businesses, but people are now worried about their own digital identity. You know, it's um, it's, yeah. it's very important. Yeah, that idea of um, personal cyber insurance, uh, that starts to get really interesting. But I, I, And I take your point about Apple because I think that is like the lead indicator often of, you know, where the, the zeitgeist is going. And I've, I've heard on, on, you know, multiple podcasts now, sort of economics and business punditry, talking about those moves and, you know, what that is is a signal uh, that's coming down the line. One of the things we've been sort of talking about, um, not you and I, but just in general, is the the and you know, relates to what you've just said, the movement of cybersecurity into the forefront where boards are understanding it. The you know, AFR is publishing stories with logos that are well known, well understood, who are being popped and breached. And it feels like that's trickling down, as you say, into into the sort of um the psyche of I would say business in general, but I'm assuming SMB is starting to see that stuff and understand that it's importance as well. Yeah, I, I've had that experience, the enterprise. I've just been through a really good process. Um, uh, I've just done the, the Cyber Leadership Institute course with Phil Zongo, uh, Darren Argyle, and Jan Schroeder. So those three great guys, great guys yeah. who sort of the three of the leaders in this industry. Darren's obviously CISO um, out at um, Standard Chartered in Singapore, ex-Qantas guy, but very bright guy. Filaments, obviously, Mr. Mr. Cybersecurity in Australia, but a lovely man, but very smart. Yeah. Um, his book's on my desk and many other desks around the world. Um, uh, and Jan as well, who I've only recently met, but he's part of the, he's the, the third part of the trifecta, but wonderful mm -hmm. guy with a huge risk management background. I've just done an eight-week course with those guys, which you just passed last week. It was with people from all around the world. The, the point is, is that cybersecurity is really just breached, uh, pardon the pun, the C-suite. So it's just become significant there because mm. it used to be this sort of nerdy IT problem, but now it's on there on the board meeting notes with, um, you know, the P&L, with the HR policies. And so there's actually someone there. Mm. Now, they're still, I, I still don't feel the CISO's taken as serious as they need to be. Uh, as we said before we started recording, the, the actual job description itself is only 20 years old. Mm. But it takes time, like any big fundamental change does, to get to that point whereby they're taken seriously, they're being part of the, the, the culture of the business. And I think we're just at that critical moment now whereby it's starting to get the traction that it really deserves. I think the kicker for me in the enterprise is going to be when the CPS 234 stuff, that tiger gets some teeth mm -hmm. and somebody is held accountable fiscally when that $2 million fine comes out to a board director who's not done the right thing. And that has to come after 18 months, well, two and a half years now of that legislation being there. I work in a lot of those APRA-based businesses, which is great for me because now people are taking notice of it and it's actually an ongoing concern. Mm. But mostly it's part of the conversation. 
but that's also trickled down and cascaded down into these APRA related small business companies that I'm doing. So they're doing big numbers, but now cybersecurity is part of the, the narrative. And so people have a level of awareness. This is only reinforced on a daily level, like you say, by these attacks. I, I almost feel we've become, um, uh, I don't know, like it's lost on us now because there's something every day. Mm. Uh, and I read the popular press within the industry, but you can read the Sydney Morning Herald or the Sun if you want it in the UK or the New York Times or USA Today. There is inevitably within that paper something about some type of cybercrime yep. because the numbers are astounding. People ask, and I heard you talked about this the other day, um, about uh, sophistication of attack. The, the crime that it is, it's, it's still not that sophisticated, I don't think. And that's what I'm all about is mm. just making it simple because I believe I'm not indemnifying anyone against happening. Because again, if Channel 9 can't get it right, the government can't get it right, no one can. Because again, to my other point, the attacker's the one, the, the actor's the one, the bad actor's the one that's actually innovating. So all my business really is, is a risk mitigation business. And all I'm trying to do is get you to do five things really well. Yep. And one of those is to change your culture and your business with the way that you, you know, you consume the information. And my, my favorite example of the of the videos, and I'll give you guys a shout out, is human nature. I think, uh, sorry, human uh, human error. I think yeah. he's probably the best cast character of all time with your security awareness stuff, but yeah. very efficacious way that, that you guys did that. But I, I think if you can get that culture of change where you get it going, but compliance to that, and get that eye roll away from security awareness and adoption of that, um, then that's great. And there's lots of organizations doing that really well. And I'd love to think that I'm joining that group of doing that. So it's got, it's meaningful that it makes an impression. And then you're not just skipping the video and guessing the test. And, and you've, you've probably heard me bleed on about this uh, quite a lot actually over the last kind of couple of years. And um, what you've just said there is I think the biggest change we're seeing, I would say it's fair to say, I think the penny has dropped mm. in the importance of what you've just said. And some of the content that you see, I mean, yeah, we do it, but um, I'm thinking we're really here of Ian Murphy, who I know you're connected to on LinkedIn yeah. also. Good scouts, good scouts, lad. Some of the, some of the content there to me, I love it, right? I just yeah. like that sort of quirky. Caption this. Yeah, just yeah. Let, let's go and push it. Maybe farther than I don't know. Some people might might get funny about. Yeah, I'm I'm personally a big believer in what it takes to get the cut through. Mm. Do that, and that's different from different organizations, right? Because what's appropriate for uh, you know a startup where they've got foosball tables and pizza, and maybe people are a little bit younger versus a uh, you know a, a school that's aligned to you know a certain type of religion, for example. Mm. Same stuff's not going to work, right? But thinking, being mindful about what is the stuff that we can do to get through to, to our users? How do we get the message to them yep. and reinforce it? I, I work um, a lot with this guy, James Linton in the UK. I think you use the email prankster. Um, and uh, I met him a couple of years ago. We've been doing some work with him. Uh, one of the things that I've really come to realize is that it's, it's horses for courses. You can't mm. deploy one solution for a technical team, a manager, and, a, and, a, and have the expectation that just because you're giving someone a video, that's going to work for them. Yep. Um, drawing upon my background in psychology which is something that i thought was going to be something that wouldn't help me whatsoever it's been the most important thing and so i always go back to this idea of cognitive dissonance a good example of what cognitive dissonance is is that people that smoke for example now you start smoking 
I used to smoke as well. I always knew that smoking was bad. I knew that if I did it all my life, I'd probably get cancer. I knew that I would die, but I still smoked. Do you know what I mean? So why would I be doing something that would ultimately resort in me dying? Well, I had a dissonance in between what I thought, what I felt, and what that gave me in that in that in that moment, that that sort of instant gratification or the yep. oral fixation for whatever reason I actually <laughs> did it. But I think now um, there's like a cyber dissonance. Okay. So we know that there is an issue. We know that you're going to get bad emails. We know that 35% of businesses in Australia have been um, have been attacked uh, at some point. In SMB, they're saying 80% of people are getting fished. There's so many sort of figures and statistics, but everyone's going to get a phishing email. Mm. That's the reality. Yep. So if we know you're going to get it, we know this is the consequence of doing it, why are we not doing anything about it? Yep. I think it's because it's too hard and it's too difficult. I, I mentioned James because the minute that you work with people that get um, or can help people to understand the actual gravity of the problem, it's like, again, going back to another another metaphor, it's like healthcare. Like people want to lose weight after they've had a heart attack or, you know, after they've been diagnosed with something bad where we know that preventative healthcare is so much better if we can do, like if every man in the, uh, in the, in Australia had a, uh, an endoscopy um, when he was 50, you'd cut bowel cancer by half mm. and mortality of that disease state in men by half with one, one procedure if we were doing it. But unfortunately, most people go through and report a problem as it becomes chronic and then you have a terrible outcome. So I think cyber, without being too clumsy, is not dissimilar. We know there's a problem. And if we just do simple things well, good hygiene well, then I think that you're much more likely to have a better outcome because nothing is infinite. Nobody can say you're definitely not going to get hacked for all of the tools that are out there. Mm -hmm. No one can promise that. And we know that. But with the deployment of the right tools, the right people, but more importantly, the right culture, where everyone's on board. There's a wonderful woman called Gail Kelly, who was a South African lady that ended up being the CEO of Westpac. And she was in Australia about eight years ago. And I remember reading this. She was a single mom, started off as a teller, every barrier and glass ceiling you could possibly have, but she ended up running the bank. She's a very impressive woman. Um, and I went to a talk that she gave and she just said, look, I'm on the bus. This is where I'm going. I'd like you to stay on and this is how we're going to get there. But if you don't just get off. And I just think the minute that leaders embrace cybersecurity being a fundamental business pillar and enabler mm -hmm. and you get the buy-in, then I think that's when people start taking it more seriously. And then hopefully we'll see a slight cessation in the incidents that we see that have a real impact on Australian businesses' life. And I said this on another podcast a couple of weeks ago, I find it remarkable that we've, we've not had a big infrastructure lights out country breaking down for five days. I genuinely, you spoke last week about the, the, um, the water treatment plant a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. with a disgruntled employee, which is a great example. That to me is like uh, that Monty Python sketch or when they're in the castle and someone throws like a dead body into the well, which contaminates the water supply. It's no different essentially, yeah. but I find it remarkable in this day and age that there's not been something much more nefarious at play. I think that the, the channel nine stuff is probably espionage at some level. 
I think there's lots going on geopolitically in the world without being like a conspiracy theorist. But I think the great thing about cyber is it's so hidden, mm. but it's very much a tactic for disruption. And I find it remarkable that all the lights, traffic lights haven't gone out in Sydney or the You're war has not stopped. No, no. <laughs> My tinfoil hat is uh, about to come out. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And, you know, there has been people talking about critical infrastructure for many years. Mm. And, you know, when it is 3 a.m. and you can lie awake kind of thinking about this stuff, um, it, it, that I think would be, it's fairly rational to have that as a worry. I think it's like that's mm. the reality. And part of it is, to your point, what we're dealing with here is not a, we can't point to it. It's not like the, you know, water in, in a dam or the lights being on. It's it, Most people conceptually won't be able to visualize ones and zeros and what that actually means to our day-to-day lives. So... You know, there's I, I, it's a thing I've kind of been seeing for years is like it, it's very hard to get that emotional attachment to the importance of this stuff because what we're talking about is capacitors being like one or zero yeah. on, you know, circuitry around the world and how that data flows. But it's so abstract, but has such a huge impact to how we live our lives. Mm. Have we just gotten lucky? Yeah, um, I think there must be some luck in it. And, but to take it from that, so we talk a lot about people, processes, technology. That's mm-hmm. all that, which isn't ours. Obviously, it's a, it's a it's a government thing essentially, or it's been it's been, it's been around for, I've been around yeah. for a long time. But I, it's what I truly believe in, and that's yeah. simplicity for me. The thing I like about your security awareness stuff is that the human nature guy is so relatable, mm-hmm. and you know that guy, right? That is someone on your team, or but he's personal, and you're making this technical issue about. Hum- you're humanizing it mm. you how can you humanize like you say a piece of code or or, or so you, you can only ever humanize the outcome so you want people to gravitate to it to understand it i think this idea of demystifying what cybersecurity really is mm. not just the consequence because people yep. don't need to know what the attack vector is or what state nations involved or it's good to know but even i get lost sometimes when i read these threat reports or the methodology of attack and i don't know what i'm talking about i'll be honest with you the really high level technical stuff now fortunately my business partner does that's why cybersecurity is good because it's a team sport mm. but they're so technical some of the stuff but the outcome of it to a business my concern is my customer who's run a small business their concern is i want to run my business and that's why we can transact quickly and effectively because to them the small business owner cybersecurity is another problem go and fix it and that's what we do. And one of the things I remember, I think the first time I had the conversation was with a Gartner analyst, and it's probably three years ago. And he he mentioned this idea of kind of cybersecurity as a competitive advantage. And, you know, there's a little seed that was planted in my brain. I'm sure other people have been sort of talking about it, but it was like, actually, that's a really interesting point. That feels like it's starting to become real. You know, that idea that um, you've heard that analogy that's been, you know, fairly well used in our industry of the the reason brakes are on a car is so that you can go faster, not that you can slow down. Like, that's why they're there. I, I use this in my pitch car. I stole oh, it from you. you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, it's not mine. I, it's, I yeah, pinched it's, it off you. I love okay, it. Well, I, I pinched it off somebody else. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, but it's a great analogy. And I'm thinking more and more, and you made the commentary around um, cyber insurance. You know, if you're going to win a contract, you're going to get to the point where, you know, being, again, back to capitalism, we all have to compete for stuff and, you know, ultimately kind of hopefully do the things that uh, pay our salaries. But when it comes down to it, you're going to have these situations where on paper, two things look the same or two organizations look the same. 
wouldn't it be amazing to be able to point to, hey, look, we do cybersecurity really well. So if you come with us, the reality is the service will be up, the product will be available, our people are going to be able to respond to emails or uh, slacks or whatever. But it's feeling like, to your point, we're starting to see that that shift in psyche, winning contracts, being even things like getting cyber insurance. Yeah. You know, if you don't do cybersecurity well, why? well, if you get it, your premiums are going to be really high. Want to do this stuff early, do it well, and then just go really hard as an SMB and, and you know, do well at your business. And it's a great point because that's exactly what we do. And not yeah. only that, if you do an RFP these days, well, what are all your policies and procedures? You know, we we have had our customers use, because part of what we do is to generate policy and procedures for our company on data management around security awareness, security awareness around their email policy. We use a, docu, a DocuSign-esque business tool to get that out to every single employee, every yep. single third party, get it signed, get it returned. And we have like a compliance uh, pie chart, mm. which then that goes back out to all their customers and they go out and pontificate to their customers. We're 100% compliance on this policy. Yep. What it's done, uh, which was hidden from me initially, which is why I thought about it, but I didn't know what would happen. This has actually helped this business win a piece of business already because okay. they've actually been able to go to one of their other suppliers or a prospect and say, this is our standard. This is what we live. And it's actually, I think, on the precipice to become a value somewhere within a business. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And when you go out to your customers, if I sign up to anything now, um, any business will become a subscription, subscribe to something because of the role I'm in and the job that I've got, I always have a look around what their policies and procedures are. Means I'm getting old and a bit boring, I suppose, in a way. Something but, needs to change but, there. But, yeah, no, but but <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that I I care about my digital footprint and my yeah. reputation online. Um, one of your colleagues said last week that once it's up online, that's it. That's it. It's there forever. Yep. Thank, thank goodness there wasn't, you know, like camera phones oh, God, in nineteen eighty seven, nineteen ninety seven on that ill fated tour that I went on. But it's it's crazy, you know, yeah. and that that. That idea that you can, um, yeah, I, I just think people can leverage that they've got great compliance and set a standard, not only with their business cadence or with their professionalism, but their cybersecurity hygiene. This particular business I'm talking about, they've then gone out to all of their partners. The partners have then said, well, what can we do it? We need to have that standard. Mm. Their third party managed, but the risk, the third party guys are then saying, well, we're nowhere near that. These might be an, an asset company. Oh God. So then all that we're then doing is it's like a, 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 a ripple in, a, in, a, in an ocean and it's starting to go out where other people are saying, well, we need that too. We need that too. The business is now saying, we insist that you have it for, for you to do business. They're now mandating the use that people sign and accept this policy mm. to, do, to do business with them. Now, for me, that's all happened very, very quickly, but I'm really, really proud of that. That's something that we've installed in a business. They've adopted it. And then not only that, they've pushed it out. It's now become a business process for you to do business with this business. I'm, I'm, that's the, my proudest moment in business. And, and important stuff. You know, when I think about uh, Australia as a society in a place we all, you know, I think enjoy living. And you know, we talked about the SMBs as the engine for the economy. What you're talking about in many ways is almost a, you know, call it herd immunity, which is, you know, I know gets overused and probably is a little bit misunderstood. But... What you're talking about in a way is vaccinating a business against the potential for, you know, God, and yes, it's a virus, it's a cyber virus, but, mm. you know, the more of those SMB organizations, mid-sized, large um, enterprise organizations do this stuff well, you know, the, the fabric, you know, that, that con connected fabric of uh, the economy starts to be more resilient. And, mm. you know, if we do that well, do we become less of an appealing target 
at a national level versus maybe some other geos where for whatever reasons they don't have their um their approach as mature or the the government regulations haven't come in and you know we're starting to, to see that conversation happen with um some of the papers that have been produced recently on the ransomware issue specifically it, it feels like that's where we're going right it's that that sort of herd immunity vaccination inoculation against bad cybersecurity. And, and for me, it's all about, and the metaphor is great and on point and timely, but it's about change management. Like how do people, how do people like change? No, not really. Mm. But I think that we'll look back in 10 years at this last 12 months and go, what happened there with COVID? Like look at the change that's happened this last year. It's, it's unbelievable in every single facet of your life. I can't go home. You know, we can't go home. Um, we're going to have to have a vaccination. You know, I, I worked for AstraZeneca for 10 years and, you know, they would discover a molecule and it would take 10 years for a drug to get anywhere near being ready for a human trial. And inside a year, we've got two, you know, uh, uh, everyone wearing masks 1.5 meters away, mm. isolation. I mean, people talk about um, it being a, a, a biological pathogen. For me, it's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a psychological one. It's loneliness and separation. And yep. there's been a big impact on that as well. Uh, it, there's such change that's happened this year. And that's been mirrored in cybersecurity as well because the risks have gone through the roof. You know, there's some vectors where they, they, because you have all these new man in the middle attacks, got people who are on their home Wi-Fi's, the businesses have not, I mean, they couldn't even buy a monitor in March last year from, if you know what I mean, or, or so people were doing all, so it was an absolute golden age then for the people who were, because again, the attackers always innovating. They're the ones that are responding. So if I was born in Liverpool and the lads that were charging you to use, you know, to when you parked your car, the scam's no different now if, the, you know, whatever it is. The scam's always been there. I got stopped at, I'm from, I grew up in Salford, which is just nearly as good as Anfield for scams. And I remember this fellow who drove around for years selling um, selling leather jackets. He said he'd, he'd come in from Milan. He worked for Versace and um, he had to get rid of this stock so he didn't have to pay tax on it. And he drove around for 10 years selling these plastic coats with like a Versace label, you know, stapled in. And he made a fortune doing it, but it was a classic scam. Oh, the scammers are always going to be there. But the situation that we've got is now everyone's working from home. There's all of this change. People are more fearful. I just hope that we adopt that change. The herd uh, mentality piece that you're saying, I think that's spot on. I think that it's getting to that point where we're going to um, adopt a new set of ways of working. You spoke last week as well about I think email might die in a couple of years, and I think that collaborative tool thing will get much more significant because BEC is obviously the, the big killer. FBI reports think 80% of all crime is related to it, or some 93% of all BEC is obviously through um, that vector, but that's how most people are getting whacked is by their email, by someone yep. pressing the wrong button. Um, making that easier for people with, I don't know how we do it, with a biometric signature or, I don't know, I paid a bill this morning on ANZ and I've got to say, you know, my voice is my identity. I'm not sure yeah. if you've done that, but there's a lot. I haven't. I've, I've, um, people know me. Tinfoil hat. Don't I probably shouldn't have said that, actually. Over the I, I yeah. probably shouldn't have said that over the internet. That's it. Now people can have the, your voice is out there. And that, but here's, that's a perfect example, right? Yeah. You know, when I think Deep about fakes. authentication yeah. that's happening, mm. You know, your voice is out there, so is mine. And yeah. um, that's part of the reason why I just I would never turn that on. It's just mm. it, for me, it won't work. It's interesting you're talking about scammers and, um, you know, coming from places like we did. Those, yeah. uh, I bought one of those jackets, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. Snappy dresser. 
There's guys in Dublin called Lockhardmen, and the reason they're called that is when you go park in the city, they're they're the guys who you know they're not government or anything like that. They're just guys who threw on a fluoro jacket and said, "Oh yeah, Lockhart, Lockhart, come in." And there's a famous uh, famous kind of story. It's probably an urban myth of you know one of those guys. They'd often say, you know, put out the hand for uh, at the time it was you know a punt or whatever a pound. Yeah. And um, some of them would say you know, give me another five and I'll make sure nothing happens to your car. And they're winking, as they said, you know, the, the sort of standover kind of approach. Yeah. There's a famous story of a guy who, uh, you know, pulls in and the guy says, you know, you, thanks for the, thanks for the pound, you know, give us, give us five pound. I'll make sure nothing happens to your car. Like it doesn't go get damaged or anything. And the guy goes, yeah, it's all right. There's a dog sitting in it. And the, the guy goes, yeah, does, does your dog put out fires? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's the kind of place I grew up in, which I have to say I miss. And um, you mentioned like BC. Actually, there's I mean I've got a page full of notes here of, of things that we could kind of keep talking about. Yeah, the B, BC stuff. Um, I think is an interesting one. You know, it's it's one of the ones that to me, and you, you know, talking about uh, reducing complexity, it's probably one of the ones that I see technology helps process is huge. You know, that awareness training, getting people to understand, hey, this is a problem. Yep. Um, like. Has that resonated with the SMB? Because I, I suspect they're probably particularly vulnerable with supply chain attacks and that kind of stuff. Definitely. And one of the, the other things I've had to unlearn as well is that people often are working, who've worked in offices, have a desktop or a laptop in their office. But yep. SMB guys are on iPhones and iPads yeah. the best. So, I mean, I, I, I used to do a good thing where you'd go into a meeting with someone and you'd do a Gmail. To a, to a CEO who's resistant, you go and change it to Donald Trump at, you know, whitehouse.com on the, you know, on in the Gmail settings to send him an email when he was saying, oh, can't get me. A friend of mine, Chris Russell, showed me how to do that. Um, and halfway through the thing, he said, you'd say to the guy, if you had an email, he goes, hey, George Bush, or Donald Trump's just emailed me and he'd open it. And I said, that's how simple it is. He goes, right, okay. And then that would progress the discussion. Um, business owners, again, usually short, sharp. They can, uh, typical things, they have 250 emails a day. Yep. So a huge amount of volume stuff. Anything that's to do with a supplier, if someone's perforated your infrastructure, you get something from a supplier, pay this now. They don't have those processes in place. Mm. And again, even those businesses that do, I mean, people say that they're sort of the CEO, CFO, um, you know, that, that type of attack or the payment thing that that's got old and people have got processes, rubbish. Mm. So four last week, bad ones as well from big businesses still happens. People still socially engineered. That's still that we still get that warm and fuzzy in NLP, as we've spoken about before, they call it an anchor. Yep. If you still see that email, the language is mimicked from that person. You, you do it. You, you, yep. Whatever policy and procedure you have in your head, it goes out the window if you've got Sharon and I was gymnastics last weekend for your daughter and they add in all of that. And that's how sophisticated it is. And it's just a numbers game, you know, because if, if you fire a million bullets, one of them hits. Yeah. That's it. And I remember being educated around like the West, Af West African gang mentality. And it's a, it is an enterprise. It's a criminal enterprise. And so there's hundreds of thousands of these emails going out on a daily basis you talked last week about a really good bit about the lists that people are buying that have been scraped off LinkedIn. Um, the one thought I thought about that immediately is we'll, we'll buy two or three of those lists and clean that data up, then get, you know, actually get good, good marketing and yeah, do a good attack and some, someone will buy it. And you know, the, the, the average rate of ransomware has gone from $43,000 this year to $83,000. 
You know, it's like it's like someone paid two and a half Bitcoin I know yesterday to someone that had been locked up in a in a decent business. It's crazy. Is there a way we could somebody could set up an ETF um, that we could sort of like abstract ourselves but still manage to invest in whoever's making those kind of uh, jumps in profit? That's Ben uh, Jumpstart dot security. No, I mean, look, it's the, all of that world is just so crazy, but it's not going away quick, and there's no panacea to the problem I see at the moment. There's nothing that is going to eradicate this like a vaccine. There is no vaccine to this problem at the moment. It is slow, methodical herd mentality change. Um, it being taken more seriously and yeah. a massive shift. Unless we can all start communicating in a different way, because email's not going anywhere for now. Um, uh, businesses have got to work. People are going to do electronic transfers. People are going to use each other's services. It's going to be fraud. And by the way, everything that's not working today, they'll uh, have something. Everything that's working out today, there'll be something else next week. That's why innovation, new business, is so important. But there's always someone clever. There's always someone trying to sell you a leather coat or get you in a car park, buddy. And it's, it and it's a recession-proof industry. So I'm, I'm proud to be in it, working with good people, trying to do the best we can to help small businesses. And, uh, and definitely succeeding. I do have a campaign that I'm sort of slightly running on the side, uh, which may or may not be aware of, to get us all back to abacuses and paper and pen. Yeah. I feel like that's our future, you know, like, get away from this technology stuff. I'm really annoyed because the one note I wanted to tell you about today was when I, I was with a CEO last week and I bought, I've actually bought him an Etch a Sketch because uh, he's the biggest, he's the biggest, and he's a lovely mate, he's a mate of mine. He's given me his business, but he's the, he's the biggest, he's run the business, he's an, a financier, he's, a, he's like the Rain Man, he's such a whiz kid, yeah. a lovely guy. But he set the business up, but ultimately he's absolutely useless at this yeah. thing. And he won't mind me saying this, but I won't mention his name. But I bought him an etch a sketch last week because that's all he's allowed to use because he should write it down, then shake the thing and rub it yeah. away. Yeah. Good good uh, good plan. Ben, uh, absolute pleasure. Uh, it's been great. We've we've I think we've tried to talk about this for quite some time. So it's good to get first of all get to do it, but do it face to face. So thank you uh, so much for having uh, having us in today and, and for the conversation. Very grateful, and uh, yeah, again, congratulations to getting to that landmark. Podcasts uh, are so great. I know the, the the continuity of them is hard, and yeah, congratulations to you and the team, and uh, I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to jump on. Uh, right. my, my absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Good times. Thanks, Ben. Big thanks again to Ben for that conversation. Great value as expected. As always, thank you for listening to the Get So Resilient podcast. We have that back catalog of episodes, so please do have a listen to those and rate, subscribe, all of that good stuff. For now, stay safe, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode.